Marcus. Yo. Do you like movies? Yes, I do. I like movies, too. This is Zebras in America, movie podcast, podcast potpourri, podcast about everything you can do, smell, or see. This is episode 132. We're both recording live from our respective compounds. If you're listening in the present, we are currently dealing with the COVID-19 pandemic, but if you're listening to the future, isn't it so nice that we're all still alive, dancing, eating pie, thinking about the great days that we have in front of us? I hope that's true. It will be. I hope so. Um, this was this was a slow news week for movies, probably. I don't know. Um, but I would like to... We have some fan mails. Mm-hmm. If you wanna, if you want me to read those, of course. And I just noticed that um, our 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 episode where we talked about black issues is one of the most listened to episodes we've done. Yeah, I, you know, <clears throat> that's. I'm not gonna be negative about my friends, but that's like the one episode that like they listen to, and it's one like, oh, it took you hundred like over a hundred episodes to get to. Me talking about pain and whatnot, so you know. Yeah. Shout out to my like, shout out to my childhood friends who I don't know. Well, two years into our podcast, they were like, "Marcus, you should start a podcast." Yeah. Shout out! <laughs> shout out to. Yeah, shout out to my friends who are always like, "Dude, you should make a podcast episode about this," which like three weeks after I did. Yeah. Um. <laughs> And because I don't want to edit any more of this episode, I'm not going to call out some of your friends by name or some of my friends by name, but you know the names that I want to say. No, continue. (laughs) gives a shit. Whatever. (laughs) Yeah, because, like, not like they'd be listening anyway. Yo, you're trying, yo, you're really trying not to say, stop, just go to the email. (laughs) You're edging. Whoa, pause, edge. Um, go, come on. Okay. Uh, from from the always... Peloton Finn one. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Oh, okay, okay. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, for, hi, Doug. From, from the number one Peloton popper in Poland, John Arminio. Uh, hey... Hey, Marcus, have you ever smoked PCP? No, not yet. Uh, from John Armenio, a.k.a. Peloton Poppy. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, John. The subject is, let me let me get serious. Let me get serious. Oh, yeah. People are going to be listening like, they did an inside joke that nobody understands for yeah. four minutes. John, um, John, if you want, it, it's not at your expense. If, if you want, I'll, 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 I'll explain off, off record, just so you know. We are absolutely making fun of someone else. Don't, don't please. It's, it's not you. Trust me. I'll, I'll explain. You're not. You are not the Peloton Poppy. <laughs> but <laughs> I need to Anyways. be a Peloton Poppy. Anyway, anybody, if they try hard enough. All right. Come uh, on. The subjects, race and politics and comic book customers. Mm -hmm. Dear Zebras, 
So this started off as a two-sentence email, but as you can see, it's a lot. So I will only read two sentences, John. Just kidding. Feel free to not read it on your show, as I don't want to monopolize your time. But because you have been kind enough to read and address my comments on the podcast, and this is a topic I've been thinking about a hell of a lot, I wanted to get this out. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for reading my email on your previous episode. It's an honor that you have indulged my comments so often on your show, and it is greatly appreciated. On the subject of addressing racist and big-toed behavior when I encounter it in the real world, I do make my voice heard in my private life and as a comic book retailer. Since I've gotten older, it's become clear to me how much of a moral compass I've been shaped by things like Star Trek and the X-Men, and I've grown to appreciate them all the more. As a seven-year-old, hearing Captain Kirk say there's no place for prejudice on the bridge of the Enterprise basically gave me the idea that, in 1966, we had decided we are leaving bigotry in the past, and anyone who is behind on that better catch the fuck up. Obviously, that was the naivety of a child, but it was formative and how I thought an ideal society should be. Coming from that background, it's always disappointing to see a comic book fan say something like, they are tired of all the politics in comics now, as if politics were somehow absent from V for Vendetta, mutants facing genocide over and over, or Captain America punching Hitler in the face. Yeah, guys, you need to remember, Captain America literally punched Hitler in the face on the cover of comic books. If that's not politics, I don't know what it is. Even I know that. I'm not even a comic book guy, and even I know that. Jesus. Yeah. Um, But that's not, that's, this is an aside, but that's not political, that's not political, Marcus. Oh, oh, okay. Sure, it's not. Yeah, exactly. More to the point, these comic fans are reading stories of mythology, death, and the disintegration of familial bonds, yet they don't want their own moral compass challenged. It's both sad and maddening to see. That is a mentality I certainly speak to and challenge when I see it. Fortunately, most of my customers are kind, open-minded people, and it is a privilege to provide art and stories to this very select group of weirdos. Your podcast has given me better language with which to reckon with such unsavory characters. On a recent encounter with a customer, I did slam my fist on my shelf while yelling, Redistribute that wealth! So I don't know how Mm. constructive that was. (laughs) TLDR, I'm trying my best to advocate for change right now, helped by the language I've taken from fiction, my family, and brilliant speakers... Oh, I'm getting a call. And brilliant speakers like yourselves. Thank you for your wisdom. And to answer your question about how much knowledge I require of myself, which is a throwback to your letter uh, about Sarface and not knowing about them, um, he, John says, yes, I do expect omniscience when it comes to music, movies, and comic books. It's not healthy, but I'm working on it. Sincerely, John Arminio. Well, yeah, John, you can only be one person, man. You can't know everything. Yeah. I'm learning things every day. That, yo, real quick, speaking of, I know you, you've been off Twitter a little bit, but our former guest, 7L, was uh, entangled in a random-ass like, thing that went uh, semi-viral the other day. Someone tweeted that Zarface was making an album with Blueface, and a bunch of people believed it. And mm-hmm. it was the, uh, Blueface, the rapper, the mumbo gangster rapper Blueface from California. And everybody was like, wait, what? And people believed it, but I, it's, it's not true. And what, what did what did our buddy Seven L say? He didn't say it. It's just like seeing his picture on like all these like keep it real hip hop accounts, being really upset and pissed off. 
as if like you know like how people would get pissed off when we were teenagers listening to raucous and deaf jokes but um it's mine no, no you can't seriously. have it seriously you can't you can't grow you can't change the way you yeah. do things right but the thing is like we wouldn't even have the the great rap music we have if people were just like you know what after Omatic it's over like you know i'm telling you on. yeah i <sighs> go get your go get your shine box we should seriously i'm not gonna dwell on it but it <clears throat> we might we have we've been kicking around a lot of ideas, but one of these like side episodes we may do, we should talk about like the stigma, the somewhat negative stigma of Illmatic that's been happening for years now, which is very sad and unfortunate. But anyway, <clears throat> shout out to John. I, I I I'm I'm being dead serious. I still to this day oftentimes think about John's uh, Kevin Geeks Out presentation, which is also where I first met him uh, uh, years ago at, at a Kevin Geeks Out presentation. He did this really great thing on uh, White Zombies. Uh, I don't think it was their first album. The, the album that they came out with in '93, he did a really cool mm-hmm. presentation on on that on Rob Zombie and that album. It was really really good. <clears throat> I wish I had his confidence uh, when speaking. I've done my share of Kevin Geeks Out, and I always feel like I'm nervous. But he was he really commanded and controlled the crowd. So shout out to you, John. Well, he had he had the power of Thundera. Is that a comic book thing? You know, like Thundercat or something. That's no, that's that's He Man. Yeah, no, He Man is Grayskull. Grace, yeah. By the, the power of what's Grayskull. the power of the? You know what? He just uh, said he just says Thundercats, Thundercats, ho. Oh, okay. I guess. No, the Eye of Thundera is the source of the Thundercat's power. Uh, 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 fair enough. Panther, you know I mean? it's like, Panther was the black one. Let's just, <laughs> I just wanted to throw that out there. That's like... It's tr- I'm, does, I, I'm not, it's, there's does, nothing wrong with that, he was. A black guy voiced him. Does anyone, that's like, I feel like that's very agreed upon. Okay, just throwing it out there. Just like no Doug friend, Doug's friend Skeeter was like the black one. Even though they made him blue. None of my friends... All of my friends were always like, yeah, Panther was obviously a black guy. Okay. All right, just, you know, some people. He had a he had a clean-shaven head and had the voice of a, of a black man and sure. he was voiced by a black man. Sure, sure. So, fair enough. I don't, I don't like to talk about current events too much, but right now we're dealing with... Um, all these voice actors who are like, we will no longer voice act characters of ethnicities and cultures that we aren't. Yeah. Because <clears throat> cause famous people heard, you know, we want equity and justice for black people and cops to not hurt black people. And actors were like, you know what? We hear you, and what we're going to do is, this. is make sure that cartoon voices are not done by yeah. white people anymore. Yeah. Come on. It's like on one hand, I mean, okay, thanks, but anyway, back to dealing with the police brutality, and I don't even like that term anymore, police murder. Like, brutality is such, right. it's kind of played out now. Yeah, but Brianna Taylor's killers still haven't been arrested. 
One of the cops that posted a video. He's he's uh, there's a picture of one of the cops. He's chilling in Florida with a with a with a chick on each arm, just hanging out on vacation. With a woman on each arm, Marcus. Yeah. Let's be better. Whatever. If you hang out with that guy, you're a chick. I'm sorry. Cancel us. What? I wish people could see my face. Sorry. Anyway. I need I need the money that we're not making since since we our 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 one sponsor dumped us. <laughs> Whatever. They don't. I don't think they're listening anyway. So. Yeah. But they were fun. Yeah. I still like their service. Um. So, about a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. You're like, hey man, um, come come to the city. I got us tickets to see the new Olivier Assayas movie at NIF. Yes. Also known as the New York Film Festival, but also NIF being my, being our your famous like the proverbial like uncle with a mullet. Yeah, and a dirt and a bike. Bluetooth. Bluetooth and a bike. dirt bike, uh, mesh. One of those like mesh tank tops. Definitely. Fing- f- finger gloves, Oakleys. And what's funny, what's fun about that that outfit is mm-hmm. like that easily fits like a Jamaican person or a white dude from Florida. <laughs> yo, yo, for real. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. <laughs> so like, so Uncle Niff, Uncle Niff is for the people. Yeah. So you're like, yeah, man, we're going to go see the new Olivier Assayas. And, and I didn't have the heart to tell you because I thought that the new Assayas that you were having me see was like his Woody Allen type movie. Oh, which we'll get to that for a second, to that that whole release. But yeah, no. So I was like, I was like, oh, man, I love hanging out with Marcus and going to the movies with that fool. But I'm going to have to pretend like I really want to see this movie when when I don't. Because, right. like, I don't really like, like, 90s-style Woody Allen, so why would I want derivative Woody Allen sure. by Olivier Assayas when his, his movies before that were were really, they were slappers. Sure. Clouds of, Clouds of Steel Maria and, and Personal Shopper were excellent movies, in my opinion. Excellent. And I'm starting to... I still have these weird... <clears throat> I mean, I guess everybody does, but I'm just surprised that, like, age 38, I'm still a little weird with certain movies I like, where it's just, like, seeing how much you, for example, or a guy like Carlo, or just a lot of people seeing when the dust settled how many people truly like Personal Shopper, and it was like, oh, okay, so I'm not alone. Because a lot of people... These days, and I'm not even just talk, talking about Twitter, just a lot of film criticism, film commentary, film punditry... Um, even when people like movies these days, they're so cynical about it. It's like they'll like something, but it's like they'll make fun of it at the same time. So it was really hard to tell if people genuinely liked Personal Shopper. And understandably so, because it's like a weird ghost movie about, like, someone who does shopping and, like, personal stuff for, like, rich people. It just sounds like a silly movie on paper, so I, 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 I couldn't tell. But now it's like, oh... Personal shoppers respected. I, I I I like that. So, and it, it is a little silly, but oh, it it's is. Also, You're right. It is. It is. It's also because the premise is this person who is a personal shopper for a famous person who 
has like this spiritual identity. Her brother passes away, and her brother might be visiting her, right. or go some sort of ghost may be visiting her, and yeah. she's she's getting these troubling messages from somebody. Sure. And this shit happens, and it's like. It's a ghost story where there's not that much ghosts in it, yeah. and it's awesome. It's a, it's yeah. I think it's grief horror light. Yeah, and there's just enough ghost supernatural stuff in it that makes you want more, but that you're not satisfied, but in a good way. Like, oh, that could have been more, but it's good that there's not more. It's like, oh, I wanted more, but in a good way. <clears throat> and it also shows that, like, Kirsten Stewart... When give when given a good director, can do her thing. Oh, absolutely! Especially recently, uh, Kelly Reichardt, Olivia Sayas. When when she's under the right direction, she's great. Yeah, her her performances in both Sayas films she's in are fantastic. Yeah. Yep. And, absolutely. Um, so so those movies come out. I mean, Olivia Sayas has has a storied career. Made made a ton of movies. Yeah, yes. So he has he has lots of vibes. Yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. But then he makes this movie that looks like a Woody Allen movie from the nineties, or yeah. like any like one of them weird movies that you would see the preview for on a VHS you rented in nineteen ninety five. Seriously. Like if you rented Forget yeah. Paris, the Billy Crystal movie, <laughs> on the yeah. on the previews yeah. for that movie yeah. it would be a movie like this. This is Howard. He lives in his Upper East Side apartment, and he's about to find out. Record skip. What love? What love is like? <laughs> yeah. You like y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. So I'm like, all right. Well, worst comes to worst, you know, me and Marcus will get some pizza afterwards, and we'll have a nice talk, and that's worth it. That's worth the price of admission. Sure. You know, one thing I do miss about going to the movies is like. If you go to movies with a friend, even if the movie sucks, you get to see your friend. <clears throat> of course. You get to see your friend, you get to have a cool conversation afterwards. Sometimes maybe even record a podcast or two about it. Or th- or seven. One day we should go see a movie and then record seven podcasts in a row. Okay. That's fine. I mean, the thing is, I haven't seen you in person in like five months, so the next time I see you, I'm going to, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be nice. Yeah. It'll be, I guess, kind of quick, too, but, yeah, I mean, I guess right, you'll be seeing I, I me mean, soon. Yeah, because I, I guess it's about as good a time to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, should I, I, sh- sure, yeah, do it. Uh, I'm I'm moving. Yeah. To Baltimore with Saskia. Wow, that's a big thing, Big a big good thing. <clears throat> You're pretending like you haven't known for, for a long time? No, I'm set. No, no. I'm. I'm um, almost. It's like I'm speaking. I'm like narrating your uh, narration, like to to the listeners. Yeah. So we're moving to Baltimore. Uh, the reasons for which are none of your business, because <laughs> I'm allowed to have some secrets in my life. Sure. Well, privacy. Excuse me privacy in my life um so yeah that's happening and so but we have found that this that this format for recording 
works, so the podcast ain't going nowhere. Yeah. But I'm moving, and that's that. That's Maybe awesome, man. Be back. Congrats on the Maybe new chapter. Maybe we'll be back in a couple of years. Maybe we won't. Who knows? Right. Um, Marcus, you always have a place in Baltimore if you decide to visit. Awesome. Are you guys going to do like a housewarming? I guess we could talk about this off. We don't need to talk about this on the, on the show. Yeah. <laughs> uh, What's your no, address? We're not. We're not <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I once had to edit an episode where uh, a well-known director gave their email address. Yeah. And I was like, you might not want that on there and they were like yeah yeah I don't probably yeah uh so anyways <laughs> nice 20 minutes to get to the topic of the show in <laughs> true zebra in true zebra's fashion that's not true because technically we were already talking about it minutes ago true. and we just got diverted so <clears throat> um I, also I, I, if you okay if you wanna if you wanna hear Great diversions. We were on the Call Out Culture podcast recently. Yeah. Talking about hip hop movies. Episode yeah, it was really 51, fun. I think it is. Yeah. Oops. So check that out if you want to hear Divergent Pathways and five grown men talk about rap movies. Yeah, it was awesome. Sort of. I, I, I want to jump back real quick because the. <clears throat> the Woody Allen-esque movie that you were talking about, you know, Olivia says is not nonfiction. That kind of came and went. And it's funny because I did a podcast on that on our friend The Pink Smokes podcast like two years ago. Or maybe it was less than two years ago. But anyway, you know, Cribs texts me. He's like, hey, Carly. Oh, shout out to Carly. We're going to have Carly on the podcast and wanted to know if you wanted to join us to talk about the new Olivia Sayers movie. And I was like, what new Olivia Sayers movie? And they were like, the movie that you watch, that we all watched together at the Toronto Film Festival. I was like, oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And then, you know, a couple of weeks ago, Scott was like, hey, what's the next episode? What is our next episode going to be about? And then I was like, I don't know. And then he was like, we could talk about the new Olivia Sayers movie. And I was like, Olivia Sayers has a new movie? And he was like, yeah, we went to go see it. So it's just like, his last few movies have not left an impact on me, and I say that because I'm a really, really big Olivia Sayers fan, and going back to what Scott was saying before, is like, I like when a Sayers is in a certain pocket, when he's really weird, so like, Personal Shopper, Clouds of Silas Maria, even going back more, like Demon Lover, Boarding Gate, uh, Elements of Irma Vep, those like, those five movies for me are like my favorite Sayers movies, but strangely enough, they're not, all of those aren't really his defining movies, so... Outside of nonfiction, his last couple of movies, I was like, oh, he's getting weird again. So I didn't read much. I didn't even know much of what Wasp Network was. I just knew the movie was playing at the Toronto Film Festival. I mean, at the New York Film Festival. I missed it at Toronto because I watched something else. So I didn't read up on it. I liked the cast. And then we watched it. And then, I don't know, Scott, you want to take it from yeah, so, so I'm like, So I'm like sitting and I like... We're at NIF, and I was annoyed because they were trying to not let me come into the theater with candy. So I had oh, to pretend. Yeah. yeah. So I had, and like, the only time I really eat candy is watching movies. Sure. So I had to, I had to pretend that I was going to the store to return the candy. Yeah. But really, I was just going around the corner and putting it in my pocket. Right. 
And then I'm like, dude, how long is this Woody Allen movie? And you're like, dude, we're not watching nonfiction. Yeah. Olivia Sayas made this movie about, you know, this, this network of Cuban spies in America in the 90s. I was like, yeah. oh, that's that's more promising. <laughs> you know, um, right? Even that. Oh, oh, I take back what I said. So at, at a certain point, I did read the synopsis, and I did. I was like, oh, spies and espionage, and like a handsome, sexy cast of actors. Like, oh, this is this is like right. This is perfect. Um, sorry, go go ahead. I just wanted to jump yeah, in and say that this is easily Olivia Assayas's most attractive cast. Hmm. Have you seen Demon Lover? No. You There's let some... me... I, you were supposed to lend me the DVD, but you never did. Oh. Oh, man. I have a digital copy of it. I'll just send it to you. Okay, awesome. Oh, man, yeah. Okay. It, it, it's a good quality. And it's actually not even... It's not that big of a file. Oh. I'll send it to you when we're done recording. Alright, next episode will be about Demon Lover. Two Assayas episodes oh, in a row. That that would be awesome. I have lots lot, lots of great things to say about that movie. I love yeah, that movie. so the movie starts with, you know, this dude played by Edgar Ramirez who's married to Penelope Cruz. He's a pilot and he's like, I gotta go to work. And he defects to Florida. Yeah. And the movie is 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 like the movie starts out one way where you think it's about like people defecting to to America because yeah. they're because uh, they're against Castro and what was going on in the 90s and like with the brothers to the rescue who like would were trying to liberate Cuba from you know the rule of Fidel Castro, which right. spoiler alert, they they were unsuccessful obviously, because right. sure. Raúl Castro is still is in governs or whatever Cuba, not turning this episode into a political episode. Though, well, though the movie obviously, is a... obviously obviously there's political undertones, but I'm not like gonna talk about my opinions about the Castro regime right now. Right. Okay, fair enough. But one more thing to, to turtle back on mm -hmm. John Arminio when c comic people say, I don't like politics and comic books. They just don't, didn't realize that everything is politics, but, but you don't think about it when it's just, you only think about yourself, don't you? Yeah. Selfish comic book fans. <laughs> so yeah, you you find out that like all these characters are coming to America and it turns out that there's more complex things going on. Yes. It's like if Olivier Assayas was making the movie blow. Yeah. Which is, you know, weird because Penelope Cruz being in both movies. Um, yeah. That's yeah. True. To some degree. And, yeah, and just also the element of like, Literally flying planes under the radar, trying not 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 to get caught. That happens in both movies. Um, yeah. Oh, damn! I didn't even think about that. Oh, that's a really good. Uh, I'm. That's what I'm here there. for. I'm. Yeah. I'm here to to <laughs> you know, yeah. be the color commentator. 
But yeah, so there's also it's hard to not shake like it's hard to not talk about this movie and not talk about like Olivia Sayas's like kind of upbringing and past. Like he's from like you know a more upper class like French family, and he's of that generation. And he delves into this into one of his previous films. This movie calls uh, Something in the Air, which is like semi semi autobiographical about his late teens, early twenties, where it's just like. It's true. It's a stereotype, but it is true about how, like, kind of, like, the more well-off European, specifically French kids at that time of, like, the late 60s and early 70s kind of, like, romanticized the idea of, like, revolution, uh, you know, crazy politics, uh, communism, like, without fully knowing. So, a movie like Wasp Network, I mean, you just describe the scenario. It's, it's, It's also hard to not think about other times... Where Isaias has dipped his foot into stuff like this, like Carlos, which uh, which was like you know his epic five hour movie with Ed- Edgar Ramirez. Also, um, oh shit, what what, uh, what what what? Oh, and something in the air. So like whenever he gets in his political bag, I'm not saying. I mean, Olivia Isaias is a very intelligent, brilliant guy, but like sometimes there's this air of like kind of like twenty year old just read a couple of books kind of thing. Of like, yeah, revolution is awesome. Like, without really knowing everything about it. Right. And it's weird, too, because... So, like, when you look at a movie like Carlos, where they totally romanticize Carlos the Jackal and make him into, like, James Bond, almost, which is bullshit. um, I can't help not help but think that, that, you know, that's the same director that made Wasp Network. And it's odd, because on this time, he's actually not romanticizing the, like... I, I would expect Olivia Sayas to make a movie like kind of like romanticizing Fidel Castro or Che Guevara, but it, instead he kind of takes the opposite route and looks at it from the perspective of the people in Cuba who were under the rule of of these of these folks. So I I thought that was kind of in, in, interesting and, yeah, and unexpected. Also, yeah, and also like <laughs> spies. <laughs> what? What are you? Uh, sorry, Scott's laughing right now. What? What, what the? <laughs> Nothing to do with uh, <laughs> the topic. <laughs> so, like actual spying, like not in movies. Yeah. Is not glamorous. It's like no. It's no, like sure. it's like people like us right now, like people in headphones, or like people lying and cheating and killing it's like not sure. it's not how they make it in movies sure I, i've never seen like some dude in in a tux parkour chasing somebody down the street <laughs> yeah you know <laughs> yeah although that's just not <laughs> you just although speaking of that this this relates so friend and former guest of the show chris funderberg he was like in, in like the Houston Street area, and he walked he's past. Big, <clears throat> he, he's what? big into parkour. No, he he used to be. He he retired. He was doing parkour down the street, and he really and he walked past Olivia Sayas, and they had this like weird connect where Olivia Sayas was like, he like kind of happy that someone noticed him, but at the same time Chris didn't want to bother him. So it was just one of those things where it was just it, it's similar to like uh, in Two Mates Cool Keith story. Where Cool Keith went up to him, too, he was like, yeah, it's me. When he noticed him, too, May noticing him, he walked up to him and was like, yeah, it's me. Well, Olivia Sayas didn't go as far to walk up to Chris and go like, 
uh, hey, it's me. He was just like, oh, hey, no, it, it, it's me. But Chris being the, like, Chris is the kind of guy who doesn't like to bother celebrity people on the street. I'm, I'm the opposite. I'll take a picture with anyone, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> did I tell you this, my friend's story about Cool Keith? No. So my friend was, was at Grand Concourse in the Bronx. Mm-hmm. Makes and, sense. That's where he's and, from. And sees Cool Keith there with like mad bags. Okay. It's already... like lots of bags. Sure. You know, like like you did too much food shopping sort of thing. Right. <laughs> and my my buddy's like, Hey, are you cool Keith? He's like, Yeah, man. Can you drive me to White Plains? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Did he? I don't remember. Oh, man. I hope he did. I think he was like, damn. That's, you know, like, I like. W- wouldn't you want to drive Cool Keith to White Plains? Yeah. You know, the stories, the, the talks. Yeah. The Oak, the Oak, the Oak Ridge cake. <laughs> from the 100-year-old refrigerator. There's a great video, guys, online. About Cool Keith explaining why he got into seltzer. And. Oh, shit. That's what he's like. You know, I stopped drinking sugary drinks because people would come over to my house and they'd drink it all. They drink the Yoohoo's, the ginger ales. <laughs> and I, I hated having to buy all that. So I had trained myself to enjoy seltzer. It's a great video, guys, and I. It's actually read. smart when you think about it. Like all all bullshit aside, that makes yeah. sense. Um. Yeah. So, it's smart if you if you if you want people to not drink your drinks, get a drink that you think people won't like. Yeah. So. Anyways. Um, the Wasp Network, yeah, the movie by Levee Isaias, which is about these families that are intertwined and connected with Castro, anti-Castro operatives, the American government, rogue movements, the Cuban government, and the destruction of families, and a bunch of stuff intertwined. It kind of went nowhere after NIF and then out of nowhere shows up on Netflix like two weeks ago. Yeah, I had no idea. Yeah, again, you're the one that that told me all about this stuff. I was like, oh, is it? Oh. Yeah, every time I reminded Marcus we had seen this movie and we needed to do an episode about it, Marcus was like, what? Like, he totally forgot we saw this movie. Yeah. And then, and then eventually, you know, we needed, we wanted something to talk about this week, and voila, um, the Wasp Network. So, what did you think about the Wasp Network? So, the short of it, it's like, I mean, it's fine. It's certainly, it's nowhere near like a bad movie, or even like an average movie. I just think certain things kind of... If anything, with this kind of... I mean, you had multiple storylines. You had, like, five 
essential characters. Your deal, and and the movie spans many years, so it's just one of those things where like he's a guy that made Carlos. I feel like I would have liked Wasp Network more if this was in the same vein as Carlos, where it was just like a mini series. Mm-hmm. Which Carlos? I mean, Carlos is it's it's presented as like a movie, but in reality, it's it's it's, it's a mini series, and it also spans like a lot of years. Not birth to death, but it's still like like crucial points in like a guy's life just like how wasp network it just spent what is it it's like mm-hmm. i guess i judge by the daughter and then they have another kid l- l- later on in the film so it's like is it what is it like right. eight eight nine ten ten years i just think in that time frame with all the different storylines that the movie had and it's like overall subject matter of just like post-cuban revolution rule under un, under Castro like make it like a make it a four part miniseries like a 90, yeah. 90 minute each and then I, I wouldn't be mad at that I'd, I'd still even if it was executed perfectly I'd still be just kind of fine with it because going mm-hmm. back to what I said earlier I really like when Olivia Sayers gets weird and you can't really get too weird with a subject like this but that's my own personal thing I think it would have been an incredibly solid thing if it was like a, a really long miniseries deal so. Yeah, sometimes with these like three-hour movies, two-hour movies that clearly don't have, aren't, I got nothing against long movies. I don't even think this movie's that long, um, but you know, I was just sort of like, yeah, this movie is trying to address so many things so quickly that yeah, exactly, you're like. Why are you going this far, fam? Like, you don't have to... Like, the the conceit of the title of the movie doesn't show up until, like, an hour and 20 minutes into it. Sure. An hour and 20 minutes, you there's, like, a twist, but it's, like, a light twist that explains the name of the movie, and you're like, wait, what? Yeah. Um, so... And I also think it's easy... Like, this movie looks... Not just like the actors, but just like the look of it. It's a very bright, beautifully looking movie. And I think between the cast, the look of the movie, how it's shot, everything, I think people kind of... I'm not going to say the wool is pulled over their eyes, because it's not like Olivia Sayers was trying to be deceitful. But I think people don't realize how like hard 7 out of 10 like this movie really is. I think because it's kind of on the long side, so you touch that... Anything that's like over two and a half hours, you you kind of attach this like epic stamp on, and it's just it's a very bright, colorful, awesomely shot movie. Yeah, you just think and it's they avoid... really great, but it's like eh, it's it's it, it's really not great. And they avoid fine. by being artful. They avoid having to do super expensive shots. Yeah, like obviously there's airplanes <laughs> yeah, and absolutely and stuff, but. They somehow figured out a way to talk about certain action scenes outside of the movie. Yeah. Which saved them millions of dollars. Sure. But there are... There is some violence in the movie, and there is some destruction of families, and there is espionage. Yep. So it's not a straight-up story. And uh, Wagner Mora... Mm-hmm. plays a Juan Pablo Roque who is not a very nice guy in this movie. And you, you even more guy. not nice because it's like he gives off this facade that he's like this cool, suave gentleman and then he just kind of like, oh, you're not that. 
No, he's really just in it for himself. Yeah. Whether he's whether he's in Cuba or in America, he really just cares about number one. Absolutely. And um, like totally just just abandons his wife, played by Anna de Armas. Yeah. So the acting is top notch. I think um, I think Edgar Ramirez is a talented guy. Absolutely, a thousand percent. I wish. He... Oh, he played he played Carlos the Jackal and Carlos. Yeah, that's what I said earlier. I know. Oh. I, I have other things that I'm that's going on in my brain. Oh, wow. yeah. And that's a and movie I, oh, that I struggle with too. Like, but, but anyway, go ahead. And I, if I remember correctly, mm-hmm. he was the he was in the remake of in the Point remake Break. of Point Break. Yes, he, he was. He was Patrick Swayze. Yes, he was. And the weird thing is, is that I kind of like the remake of Point Break. It just shouldn't have been called Point Break. Same. I actually saw in it that you know it's another thing where like, oh, this movie looks nice. I'm not even gonna front, and it's like it's gorgeous. I, yeah, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. Like, if it wasn't called Point, if it was just like, like, it'd be much better to call it, you know, like adrenaline, su- adrenaline, or yeah, like Surf Boys with a Z. Um, <laughs> and just and, Surf and, and, Boys. And when it came to the reviews, sure, people would pick up on like, oh, this is just like Point Break. I think that's much better. Be like, oh, yeah. you tried to rip off Point Break than being like, oh, you ruined Point Break. And it's also weird because Point Break, the remake, co-stars James Legros, who was one of the robbers in the original Point Break, which is also odd. Yo, that ca- hold on a second. Hold on a second. Um, the Point Break remake, it was like Edgar Ramirez, Delroy Lindo, Ray Winston, James Legros. Like, what an awesome cast. Like, I, I, I think one time years ago I tweeted... That cast should have been an Olivia Sayas movie. Like, all those guys should have been, like... Or Olivia Sayas should have made the Point Break remake, but not called it Point Break. Yeah, See, I see that's think... the kind of shit that I want from Olivia Sayas. I want, like, a fake Point Break remake with that exact cast. With with his... You know, because at this point now, Edgar Ramirez is part of the Olivia Sayas troupe. Del- Delroy Lindo in an Olivia Sayas movie would be awesome. Ray Winston is always clutch. James Legros is a American independent icon. I think that would have been a great thing. It would have been better than Wasp Network, I think. Yeah, I mean, if he's gonna, if his, if he's showing that he wants to make movies like the Wasp Network, then he can totally make Point Break. Yeah, that my thing about again, I really like the remake of Point Break. The problem is, is that the original Point Break had like a whimsy to it. Sure. Whether whether it whether it was aware of how silly it was or not, it was. Sure. And this movie was very serious. They tried to do the Christopher Nolan thing with with Point Break. <clears throat> We're gonna make it yeah, dark but, and serious. They really did. So again, they should have just like called it something else. Yeah. You know I what think, I mean? I, I, I like adrenaline. Adrenaline. That yeah. movie. Yeah. Like. I can see the movie poster now. It's like a surf wave with a gun. And or they could have just called it... Writ- written sideways in, like, red fire letters. Or they could have just called it the Ozaki 8. Because <laughs> in the movie, there is a, there, there's a character, Ozaki, who created eight ordeals to do. Yeah. And if I, if I remember the conceit of this movie... These 
these adrenaline junkies are robbing banks so they can afford to do the ordeals. Yeah. Which again, like so that, again, that, for an action movie, that is kind of cool. I mean, we accept way sillier stuff in action movies that we like. Yeah, like you and I enjoyed Die Hard on a piano. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. To quote uh, Vern, who yeah. called, I think the movie was called Piano. No, something seconds or something like he has to play a certain. Oh, what is the name? Hold on, yeah, keep 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 talking because I, I can't do that movie justice. There's an Elijah Wood movie with the guy from Bill and. Oh, Ted's it's just called Grand, Grand Piano. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's essentially Die Hard on a piano. Yeah, or Speed on a piano. Right, it's funny. Yeah. It's kind of good, though. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It works. And I, damn, this has morphed into like a wishful thinking about that Point Break movie being called, you know, Adrenaline and just no ties to Point Break. Oh, well. Yeah, but ch- yeah, you know, check out Grand Piano starring yeah. Elijah Wood, John Cusack, Tamsin Edgerton, Carrie Bisha, and Alex Winter, directed yeah. by Eugen- Eugenio Mira. Mm-hmm. It's it's a silly it's a silly but also fun movie. Sure. Um, I don't know what what he's working on, but yeah, I'm just saying if you just call the movie the Eight Ordeals or Adrenaline, the Eight Ordeals or, with a Z at the end, Ordeals with a Z, or like <laughs> you know, from motorbikes to meaning or something, and just <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> Like, Olivia Sayas just needs to make a movie called From Motorbikes to Meaning, and that'll be um, a great movie. It's funny you and say I'll, that. I mean, you know the thing about Olivia Sayas. There wasn't really one in Wasp Network, but most Olivia Sayas movies have a scene where someone's riding a motorbike. I don't know if you know that about it. It's like a thing. Like, someone's always riding a scooter or a motorbike in an Olivia Sayas movie, like, eight, yeah. t- eight times out of ten. Eight times out of ten, and then... My favorite scene in this movie was like, you know, that was a real Wasp Network. (laughs) Yeah, when Nicolas Cage makes a cameo, and then they torture him, and he goes, no, not the Wasps, not the Wasps, and then the movie ends. (laughs) Out of nowhere, he's just in there for two seconds to say, no, not the Wasps, Yeah, guys. Um, I just want to say, because I, I have to... I have to take care of a personal matter. Sure. Um, I think this is a good movie. It's not a great movie. If you're like, I want to watch a sort of historically accurate movie about anti-Cuba rhetoric in the 90s, check this movie out. It's good. It's not great. If If it was 10 hours long, it probably would have been better. You know, a lot of people just want to make epics and then don't have the resource to do it. Mm-hmm. Like how we said in an episode or two ago that Vox Lux should have been longer. Just like if you're going to do an epic, do an epic. Yeah, yeah. Just just go for it if you can. Obviously, that's like a very privileged position for us to say to be like, just do the thing that's more expensive and more difficult, obviously. Yeah. But mm-hmm. Agree. Um Marcus, yo, it's always it's always good to see you. Absolutely, man. And you know, as I said, you really had a wonderful wasp network. Thank you. All right, be safe everybody. All right.